Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to 30-Minute Thrive, your go-to podcast for anything and everything HR, powered by MRA, the Management Association. Looking to stay on top of the ever-changing world of HR? MRA has got you covered. We'll be the first to tell you what's hot and what's not. I'm your host, Sophie Bowler, and we are so glad you're here. Now, it's time to thrive. I'm joined with Jim Morgan, our Vice President of Workforce Strategies here at MRA. It's good to have you back, Jim. Good to be back. Well, we talked last episode with Jim on the demographic problem or the Great Sandstemic, but today we're here to really continue that conversation and talk about generational differences in the workplace. So a few podcasts ago, we actually talked about the candidate experience, and you touched on how generational differences really plays into that experience. In fact, I recall that you grilled me on a few questions. Grill is kind of a harsh word. (laughs) On how I would approach a job search um, based on my interests and my generation. So we brought you back today so I can grill you (laughs) on this topic. But it is a good one, and I have seen reports that talk about the fact that there are now five generations in the workforce, so potentially today's workers could be working with a range from 20-year-olds to 70-year-olds, so there's a big gap there. Um, But that has potential to have a huge impact in the workforce. So how can we make it all work? How can an employer expect us to work all together? Well, Jim is here to share some insights with us today. So let's just mention the fact that between you and me, there are four generations. Ouch. (laughs) Well, welcome to you too. (laughs) (laughs) No, but we're really looking at five different generations in the workforce, which include traditionalists, baby boomers, Generation X, Generation Y or millennials, and Generation Z. So Jim, what does the generational makeup look like in the workforce right now? Um, right now, the millennials are, you know, taking over. Uh, they're at about 35% of the workplace. Uh, the Gen Xers are at about 30%. Um, my group, the baby boomers, are slowly going out to the yeah. other side. So we're down to about 23%. And the young kids coming up, the Gen Zs, your group, is making up about 12%. And there's still a little sliver of that uh, traditionalist, uh, probably less than about 1% right Okay, and I know you've been tracking this topic for most of your professional life, and we're really here to hear about a number of stories on how employers are managing these generational differences. So what leads to generational stereotypes, or how do we come up with these generalized opinions of each other? You know, I think people first have to understand that every single generation has been stereotyped. Um, I joke I'm part of the ponytailed, no good, anti-war generation that was never going to amount to anything. And now we own everything, so good for us. <laughs> and it doesn't really matter who you are. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, everybody thinks the next generation is basically going to be the end of the world as we know it. And so far that hasn't been true. So we're all just trying to figure this out as we go along. But the stereotypes usually come apart, come along because either there is some consistency and pattern and behavior based on what's going on in the world. And sometimes it's, you know, okay, we're gonna make fun of each other. And I'd give you an example from, you know, my generation, the hey boomer, you know, <laughs> and everybody saying, you know, here's what's wrong with us. Um, but you know, they ask questions like, you know, how come you're walking around with cash and ten credit cards? 
Why do you always shout every time you're on Skype or on your cell phone? Um, why do you print out emails? My gosh, it's right there, you know, in front of you. Um, why can't you figure out for yourself how to take a Word document and make it into a PDF? You know, and, and I could say, oh my gosh, that's not me. What are you talking about? But I also am smart enough to watch other people my age walk around and do exactly those things. So I think it just becomes a matter of some repetitive behaviors by some folks, which are judged by different generations as, you know, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that, you know, people say about the boomers. So I'm sure you heard some things. What are the ones that bother you a little bit? I think we always get related back to technology, always, no matter if it's in the workplace or outside of it. And it's always just kind of like consumes our generation. And also about the short attention span. I feel like you can't keep us, I don't know, engaged for more than five minutes. It's got to be fun. It's got to be why is it worth my time? You're the goldfish generation. Absolutely. You've ever had a, anyone who's ever had a goldfish, if you tap on the side of the bowl, you can hold their attention for seven or eight seconds. So yeah. that's, your, that's your stereotype. Well, let's actually talk about the different values of each generation and how that affects each different generation as an employee. So I'm sure you have lots of stories to tell with each of those. Yeah, and, and this gets to your stereotypes because even the one that we just talked about, you know, where I'm saying, oh, you have no attention span or that's what people say to you. It's not an attention span thing. It's uh, this is how fast the world moves now. And there's a reason that Twitter has 240 characters and TikTok can't be more than a minute or two long. And right. it's just the way that, that things go. So that, that happens. So I think you got to look at you know, as a couple of different examples. I mean, anyone who probably, in your case, has a grandparent or maybe a great-grandparent who might still be around that lived through the Depression. Well, that has a serious impact on folks in terms of, I'm going to hang on to every dime I've got. I don't trust credit cards because the banks failed me. I'm just going to have cash, and that's, that's how I'm going to do business. So those things matter. So if you look at, for example, you know, the family, and what did the family look like? 50 years ago, and it was mom staying home, dad going to work, you know, 3.7 children and a dog, and that's what a family was. And over time, that's changed uh, as a result of divorces, of merged families, of same-sex families. Um, not saying anything is right, wrong, and different, but the what the definition of family has changed over the course of the of the generations. So that has an impact on people. Um, the issue of education, which was out of reach for people for a long time. For my generation, it was like an expectation that we get to go to college, to people starting to question the value of, of college, and now people saying, hey, it's going to be free. You know, and, and again, not judging, not saying right, wrong, or indifferent, but when things like that happen, it has an impact. And so whether, you know, for my generation, it was civil rights issues, for current generations, it might be school shootings. You had 9-11 um, in there to affect a generation. We have now have had a pandemic. All of those things shape people in terms of who they are and how they function. And that sort of leads to, okay, there are differences amongst the generation because their experiences have been so different. Mm -hmm. And now that we know what to expect from an employee side, let's take it a step further and really examine how leaders interpret the generational differences in the workplace. So can you talk about the different leadership styles of each generation? Yeah, and you know, I don't know so much it's the, the leadership style. I think it's just the way that the world has changed that you've got to understand the people that are working for you. 
And in our case, one of the cases, you were in our internship program, and we asked all of you, you know, what's one of the, the biggest things that you want from your boss? And it was, I want their cell phone number so I can text them. Okay, well, that's your preferred method of communication. And I can guarantee you those Gen X and Boomer um, bosses probably are like, there's no way in the world I'm giving you my cell phone number so you can text me all day long. Right. That's not you being nosy or you wanting personal information. It's your preferred method of communication. So, you know, how do we figure that out? So it goes back to when we talked about the candidate experience and what you're expecting differently. So as a leader, I need to understand how you want to function and how you want to do, get things done. So that's a little bit on me as a leader. As a leader, I need to be looking out for what are the benefits that are of interest to you. You may say, hey, I came out of college with $20,000 in student loan debt. That means more to me than anything. Whereas someone else might be saying, I want a 401k. Someone else might want health care. But if I'm listening to what the needs of the people are that, that work for me, I'll begin to understand some of those things. If I know how you want to work, remote, in person, do you like being with people, do you not like, not like being with people? It's not so much, I would say, in that case, the generational, we all are different in every generation. I mean, these generations have 80 million people in them, so it's not like everybody's the same. But your expectation of, you're not going to be faxing anything, I can pretty much bet on that. Um, you don't want paragraphs of information, you want bullet points. So I've just got to understand how you function and you know what's the right way for you. I learned that by doing performance reviews because, I mean, you've worked with me. I'm not a real detail-oriented person. I'm not about what are your five things, what are you going to do, what are you going to measure. I'm more about asking you, so what do you think is important? Mm -hmm. And we'll write them down and say, okay, that sounds good. Let's go do that. That doesn't work for some people. They want to know what are the three things I'm supposed to do, how are you going to measure them. And so you have to even look at the performance reviews and saying, okay, what are Sophie's expectations? And those might be different than someone else and, and someone else. So I'd say for the most part, it's really you know getting to know the people that you're working with and, and personalizing things to the extent where you know maybe you can understand where they're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think you mentioned about the flexibility, the flexibility too. Like, for example, I think a lot of people in my generation if let's say you had a meeting at eight o'clock, they might show up at 801 or 802. So maybe just, you know, changing how you approach those meetings to fit each generation. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a Zoom call or something like that. But can you share any insights on how the different generations might respond to these different leadership styles or even different generations? Uh, well, I mean, you just mentioned a couple of them, you know, so people misinterpret, okay, we're gonna have a meeting at you know, four o'clock on Friday afternoon. And an old school person might be like, yeah, that's my way of making sure everybody's still here at, you know, four o'clock because we work from eight until five and I want to make sure that you're there. Well, I've had people who work for me that are texting me at three o'clock in the morning, you know, saying, hey, I finished a project and that's great. I'm not reading it at three o'clock in the morning, but they're working at three. They might work on weekends. They might work at night. You know, they're getting the work done. So part of it becomes, are they getting done what you want to get done? It's not really so much my interest as to when you get it done or how you get it done. I just want the product. So we've got to figure those things out. But we also have to look, I think, at you know what are the goals of the different generations because that's changed so much in terms of what their career might look like. Historically, you know, your career defined who you were. Like that was your life. 
And that began to change, and people thought, you know, no, I'm not going to let it define who I am, and I'm not just going to have one career for 30 years, and I am going to move around a little bit, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. 50 years ago, if you lost your job, it was like, oh, you're a failure. What did you do? Now it's almost a badge of honor. Like, yeah, no, I quit that job. I wanted to go do a different job. And I'm going to switch jobs every couple of years because that's how I think I'm going to build up more information. Whereas my generation was afraid to leave their job because I thought, well, that'll be a step backwards. I'm climbing the ladder here. If I step out, I'm going to have to go down a couple of rungs. You look at it more like the more ladders I can be on, the better off that I'm going to be. So again, you know, those are just examples how different, different generations are going to look at leadership and say, don't give me a 12-year plan because I don't, you know, I may not be here for 12 years. I want a plan, but I'd like it to be two years or three years, and then we can, we can update it. Um, but I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep my eyes open, not because I'm disloyal and not because I, you know, don't necessarily like the organization, but it's just the way that I function my whole life. I don't stick with things for 30 years kind of look at that as being crazy yeah. and I look at switching a job every two years like you're the one who's crazy well maybe we both are or maybe neither one of us yeah. is. I don't know but you know people just approach things very differently yeah and speaking to my experience I I definitely like to know like what's my plan for the next couple months like what are my growth opportunities can I explore this area like I like to know that I have a variety of different things coming my way but I also want to make sure like those are in place and someone has a plan for my development, basically. And that I will say that's one of the things that we've seen with the last two generations more than anything else is what's my career path look like and what's my learning and development program. So I want to know what is it going to take for me to get to the next level? How are you going to help me get to the next level? And what does that next level look like? And again, if you tell me that plan's going to, oh, it'll be five years before you truly understand, I'm going to look at you like, you know, no, it's not. Because yeah. either I'm going to figure it out in two or I'm not going to be here anymore. And exactly. so I think we've had to do a lot of adjustments there yep. uh, as well. Exactly. But we also want to talk about how generational differences in the workplace can be a good thing. <laughs> I feel like we've talked a lot about the challenges, um, but I'm sure you have a few stories around this. And. What are some of the opportunities and other challenges that you've seen that multiple, when there are multiple generations in the workplace at the same time? Yeah, that's a, and, and there are a lot of positives to it. You know, everybody always picks on the stereotypes and things, but I think there are a lot of positives. And one of the things I get to do at MRA is run roundtables, and one of them um, is for CEOs. And I threw basically that topic, you know, on the table to say, okay, let's talk about the emerging leaders and the next generations coming up. And it was really fascinating because a couple of the, I'd say, more progressive companies, the more progressive um, CEOs that were in the, the group, were talking about everything that your generation and maybe in the one before you brings to the workplace. And I had sort of introduced the discussion saying, you know, when I started working, I brought nothing. And I don't mean it like I was an incompetent buffoon, but everybody who came before me could do the things that I could do. Your generations, and I don't want to stereotype you with the technology, but you've learned so many things that you walk into the workplace with more knowledge than a couple of the generations above you. And so the CEOs picked up on that and said, you know, we've been spending time trying to figure out what is it that the people under 35 know that we could use to our advantage. And, and a few of them across the list were, um, you know, the communication skills, your ability to communicate across a multiple Per, um, platform, whether that's social media, 
whether that's you know verbally, whatever it might be that you, you've got a skill set there. You've also got a level of confidence because basically you've been on film since you were born, you know, and you're not uncomfortable sitting in front of a camera. And, you know, I mean, you are 22 years old and you're running a podcast and there's a camera running. Yeah, good for you. Um, you know, but I know a lot of people that are my age that just sitting down with the camera would be enough to freak them out and it would take us 50 takes before we got through the introduction. So you're, you're comfortable with all those things. You can adapt to new challenges. People can throw you a curveball because your whole life has been sort of a series um, of curveballs. You understand social media better than anyone, you know, over the age of 40. And I've got lots of stories there that I can tell. Um, but you understand it. You understand how the platform works and you understand how people utilize it and where someone my age might be freaking out because something got posted. You'd understand that that's going to be buried in about two seconds and this is going to be gone and no one's going to see it again. Or this is where you stop the conversation. Don't try to entertain someone on social media. You know, it's not going to be a logical conversation. So all of those things they were talking about saying, this is what these folks are bringing. So maybe rather than looking at a 25-year-old saying, oh, we can't put them out, out on the road as the face of the organization, to say maybe they should be the face of the organization because they understand the technology that comes with presenting. They're comfortable in front of people. They don't mind having cameras uh, in front of them. So maybe age isn't the defining factor in what that should be. On the flip side, I would argue, you know, people that are my age are, you know, we do have some experiences. And yes, you'll get some stick in the mud that'll be like, well, we tried that and it didn't work. And now we're trying it differently. But we've seen a lot of things. And one of the issues we have right now with a lot of our member companies is emerging leaders in that I got to watch other people make a whole bunch of screw-ups. You know, because I wasn't going to be taking over anything till I was 40 or 45. Now you're taking it over at 25, 30, 35. So you got to be prepared, you know, to do those things. You got to be ready for those types of things. So that's where I think, you know, maybe some of the baby boomers may be able to help you with experiences that you haven't had the opportunity to see yet. So every generation brings its strengths and its weaknesses. And again, I think it's, you know, who can do this and who can do that. And again, you can't stereotype 80 million people, but there are tendencies within groups. And I think I can pretty safely say that you know a lot more about technology than I do because you've just had to do it for 25 years. But you so, know a lot of things that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just got to figure out which ones are valuable so I can share them with you. But uh, yeah. so yeah, there, there's a, everybody brings something to the table. And I think it's a matter of finding that out, whether it's by their, their just their personality type, it's by their generational experience or, or what it might be. Yep, and I think we can definitely learn from each other too based on other generations' strengths. But do you have any departing words of wisdom for, <laughs> for our listeners today or employers for what we like to call the now and the experienced worker? That whole question sounded like, all right, old person, can you tell me what it is you've got to offer to the young people here? I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> you know, I think as much as we get into these generational differences, and I think that they matter because they matter if your generation wants to text their boss. That matters because if that's your preferred method of, of communication, I'm not saying it's going to be right or wrong, but you and your boss have to both understand, is that the way we're going to do it or not? Because someone's going to have to make an adjustment. And people have to understand that while you might work differently, it doesn't mean you're not working as hard. 
And so again, a lot of people who look like me will be, well, if you're not in the office, I don't know what you're doing. I can make a pretty good argument that I've seen people in the office and I'm not sure what they're doing, so I'm not sure that's, you know, that's the measure. But it's more, are we clear on what the goals and objectives are? Because whether you get it done you know, on the road, at your apartment, in your house, wherever you might be, doesn't really matter so much. Now, if there's a customer portion of it where you've got to be somewhere, I'm completely understood. But that's a, that pandemic changed everybody's paradigm. And so it was, you know, we had companies who for years were trying to go remote and couldn't do it. But all of a sudden they did it in two weeks because they had to. So all of those things are, are, are starting to change. So we're all different. We've all had different experiences. I think it's really the employer's job to figure out what motivates whatever the person might be how do we engage them in the organization? Because if they're engaged and they're motivated, they're going to do more for us. And one size does not fit all across uh, generations or within generations. And that becomes a big headache for employers because it's a lot easier to say, everybody comes in at eight and leaves at five. That's the rule. We're done. But if half the people are unmotivated by that rule, then you're not getting the most that you can out of them. So now we've got to figure out how do we set up policies and procedures that let people do things the way that, that they need to do it. So I guess I would just say that it really is a matter of being intentional with people. It's trying to figure out what does Sophie need and how is that different than what Jim needs and how can we all sort of live in harmony here mm -hmm. even if you're never here and I am here or I'm never here and you're, you are here that we both understand that we're getting our stuff done. We're just doing it in a very different way but the company benefits if we're doing it in the way that we can do it the best. So it's hard, it's not yeah. simple rules anymore, um, but I think if we're, if we're taking the individual into consideration, that's sort of where you have the most success. Yep, I was gonna say, it seems like a very individualized process. Yeah. But that takes up just about the time we have for today. So thank you for joining us today and continuing that conversation. And it looks like we can learn a lot from each other on how to really close the generational differences gap. So we have added Jim's LinkedIn profile. You've probably seen it a couple times by now in the show notes, but if you haven't yet, make sure to connect with him. And if you have any questions on today's episode or really just wanna chat with Jim and um, follow up on his ex expertise, I'm sure he'd love to have a conversation with you. Um, but otherwise, we will see you our next episode. And Jim, thank you for joining us again. My pleasure. It's always great to be with MRA Nation. <laughs> always. And that wraps up our content for this episode. Be sure to reference the show notes where you can sign up to connect for more podcast updates. Check out other MRA episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, make sure to follow MRA's 30-Minute Thrive so you don't miss out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next Wednesday to carry on the HR conversation.